0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. So in this parable, Jesus is in the house, in the home of a a Pharisee. This guy, the Pharisee had invited him to come and dine. Essentially, he had invited him to a banquet at his house, where it was all these other Pharisees and religious leaders and Jesus. Jesus is, is there, and they're, and, they're, and they're wondering about him, and they invite him into this kind of this high-class dinner where they're reclining at tables and uh, eating bread. And, and so, just to set the scene, this is where Jesus is when he tells this parable. He, and he sees uh, he sees the guests jockeying for position. It's a big table, and and there's certain places in the table that are more honorable than others, certain places that are more esteemed than others. And so there's this there's this kind of want, people wanting to sit in the in the seats of honor. And and Jesus notices that this is going on, and he says he says to them, listen, when you're invited to to a wedding banquet, don't take the seat of honor, don't take the highest seat, so that the host would have to tell you to go and and go sit in a lower seat. Instead, take the lower seat, and if the host would see you and, and want to put you in a better seat, then, then so be it. And so he speaks to those who are invited. And then he, and then he speaks to, to the position of a host. He says, if, if you're hosting a dinner, don't just invite those who could repay you. Don't just invite those who, don't just invite your rich neighbors. Don't just invite the people who, who, are, who are well-to-do, your, your brothers and your sisters, and, and those who, who could pay you back in some way. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Because they can't repay you. But God will repay you in the resurrection of the righteous. He says all this while they're eating dinner over uh, around the Pharisees' table. And so then one one of the Pharisees kind of pipes up and he says, Well, blessed is everyone who eats bread in the kingdom of God. You see, there was this understanding of the Messianic banquet. This idea in the, in, the, in the minds and the hearts of the Jewish people in the first century of, of a banquet that would, that would end, that would come in the day of the Lord where, where God would be the one who would host this meal and he would set the table before his people and he would make everything w- right. He would wipe away every tear. And it was thought that only the pious, only the righteous, only the, 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 the clean and pure Jews would be at this banquet. And so Jesus is, is using this similar language. There's this common understanding among him and the guests that there's this language of the Messianic banquet. Jesus is, is, is in a, known and, and understood in this scene as a Messianic figure. And so they're, 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 they're asking him, say more. Say more about the, the resurrection of the righteous. Say more about the, the wedding banquet. Say more about the, 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 the dinner to come for God's people. It all comes back to Isaiah 25, this imagery of the Messianic banquet, the Messiah being the one to deliver God's people from, uh, from the nations, from, the, from everything, and, and bring in the reign of the Lord. Isaiah 25 says it like this. The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all the peoples on this mountain. A banquet of aged wine, choice pieces of meat, with marrow and refined aged wine. And on this mountain he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples. Even the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Is this not a banquet that you want to go to? Yeah. Choice pieces of meat. I don't know what you do with that as a vegetarian. But I'll just let you figure that out. I'm just That's a little joke. Okay, so it keeps going. Isaiah 25. And he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in this day, so the people at the banquet are are saying this in sync with one another. Behold, this is our God, for whom we have waited, that he might save us. Again, this is messianic language. This is an anticipation. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. The book of Revelation, then, at the very end of the Bible, picks up this language in, in some of its nuance and, and, and refers to Jesus as the Lamb and, and, and the church as the bride in this wedding celebration, in this wedding banquet. It says, uh, John is writing is what he's seeing, and then the angel said to me, write the following, blessed are those who are invited to the banquet at the wedding celebration of the Lamb. He also said to me, These are the true words of God. So there's this understanding that those who are invited are blessed. Those who are invited are, uh, are, are, are chosen and honored by God. And He's God's the one who's gonna prepare this lavish banquet. For a, a table set for kings, if you will. So then so so the guy pipes up and he says, Blessed are those who eat bread in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus then begins to tell the story. Oh, you, you want to hear about the kingdom of God? So here's a, here's, a, here's a story to tell you about the kingdom of God. This is a kingdom parable, if you will. And so uh, a man has a big banquet and he, and he sends his servant out to, to, to essentially invite in the guests who had already said they would come. Now I want to clarify that real quick here. In, in their time and in our time as well, we have this idea of an RSVP. Right? You, you're sent an invitation, you respond to it, and then you come to the, to the, to the thing, to the banquet, to the, whatever you're responding to. So the way it worked in the time of the New Testament was uh, there was a double invitation. The, the guest list is invited. They respond immediately whether they can come or not. And then, because of all the variables of food preparation and hosting and, and all the things that could happen, there's a kind of a time frame but then the servant goes out into the into the town. There's not it's not a huge region. Into the town, he invites the guest list. say, "Hey, now now the food's ready. Now the dinner is ready. Please come." It's like it's like a dinner bell moment that we're seeing here. So the servant comes, "Come because now everything is ready. Now it's time to come." So the expectation is you've already you've already said you would come. You already you've already that's the I'm only coming to to tell you it's ready now. And so he's 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 really thrown off when, when the people he's coming to say the food's ready to are, are saying, you know, actually, I can't come for this and this and this reason. And so there's excuses. We, uh, we tend to be fairly versed in excuses, right? As, just as, just the hu- humanity in general, like, like we we just we have our our back pocket excuses for about anything, right? It's like, uh, oh, I got I got a, I got something that will kind of get me off off the hook. A lot of times it's uh, it's it's money and time, right? Money and time, or or some other sort of blame shift. If I can just take the blame of of like feeling weird about this and put it onto somebody else, like oh, it's my dog's fault, or oh, it's it's my my neighbor was in my way and so I couldn't whatever. So, but time and money, those are the big ones for, for most people. I, 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 I want to come to that, but I just don't, I'm super busy. Like, we, we love that word, right? And we're all, I mean, I think it's fair. We're, we are, we live busy lives. We're from one thing to the next. We're working a lot. We got a family or friends or whatever things are going on. And so we're busy and we consider that a really good thing. Like, we can relate to each other on that level. I'm just super busy right now. And so that's my kind of default excuse for why I can't do A, B, C, and D. It's, I just, I don't have the time, and I'm doing these other things. Uh, and money is also kind of a, an easy one to relate to one another with. So it's like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, we just, we got this budget going on, and I just, I just can't afford it. Although sometimes that, I can kind of, I can make you feel kind of less than people, so you maybe we'll just say time instead. I don't have the time. So, so, let's just look at these excuses for a bit. They involve time and money. And on the surface, they appear pretty, pretty genuine, pretty decent. But when, we, when you unpack a little bit, they're, they're quite weak, quite disingenuous, right? So think about it for a second. A man, first he buys a field, field and then he goes and sees it. That'd be like going and buying a really, really expensive home because fields were expensive and then getting it inspected. Like, that's just, you have the order way backwards. You, what if it has foundation issues? What if it has mold issues? What if, it, like, what if it's on the wrong side of the, na- of the street? What if it's like in, the, in a bad neighborhood? What if, like, there's all these variables where you want to see it. You want to kind of do the research. You want to figure it out before you invest in the, in the big purchase of a home. It's the same thing here. A fields, were not, fields were not easy to come by. Fields were expensive and they involved a lot of variables when you bought, in this time. And so... It's like, it's confusing for the servant. It's like, okay, you bought a field. That's weird. Uh, Okay, so he says, please excuse me. Not a very good excuse, uh, but enough to get the servant to move on. So then, oops, he says, then he goes on to the next guy, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going out to examine them. Please excuse me. Now, this would be a very wealthy. Man, because five yoke of oxen would be like saying I just bought five cars. I don't know why you would need five cars. You're you're, you're an individual. Like, uh, so so the average like the t- you wouldn't a, a yoke is is two. So this is ten oxen. Uh, this is like a, either it's a lot of fields that that are being plowed and taken care of, or it's just complete excess, complete. And plus, you need to know if the oxen can, can pull together or if, if their speeds are, are the same and if they can slow down together or if one keeps going and, and ruin, you know, ruins the field. Like there's, there's research that needs to be done. You need to make sure the oxen can run together. But for, he, he already bought them and now he has to go make sure that they're, that they're suitable. It's, just, it's backwards. It doesn't make sense. And then, but at least he says, please excuse me. At least there's the courtesy to, to, ask, like, to say excuse me. This third one is really, it's really out there. Like this is, this is offensive. This is like, this is rude, insulting to the, ma- to the man who's having the banquet. I just got married and I can't come. No, nothing else. Just close the door. First of all, he probably would have known that he was going to get married when he was originally invited to the banquet and so now there's this conflict. And okay, sorry, boom, bye. And so now the servant... Is onto something. He's like, there's, there's a conspiracy here, right? I think everyone has plotted against my master because this doesn't happen. Like, this is never, this is not the way it goes. And so he goes back to the master to report what's happened, right? The master's uh, reaction is pretty understandable. He's angry. He's, uh, he's frustrated. He's furious, it says. The, the word here is not complicated. It's, it's an emotion that we all feel. It's not like there's not like some special nuance to it. It's just this general idea of he's mad. Like he's just ticked off that this, that this would happen to his guest list. These people who already said they would come and now he's, he's mad. And so there's a couple things he could do. He could say, oh, that chariot you just bought? Spokes are broken. Those oxen, they're gone. He he could react in a way that's that's vengeful and and just. What do you do? What do you do when you're angry? What do you do when you when your emotions are, are raging? How do you respond? This is the this is the place where the master is in. That field you just bought is it's burned to the ground. There's nothing left. Right? It's. I could, I, could, I, could take, I could take this out on, on my whole guest list right now. You don't want to come to my dinner? All right. I'll show you. I'll show you never do that again. But it's not what he does. And I think we have a lot to learn in this regard when it comes to how we respond to the energy that's, that's formed when we're angry. Like, it's actually, you get energy. It's like, now, I, now I'm motivated to do something. What am I going to do? I can either do something productive and, and beneficial or I could really use my energy to mess things up for that person or mess things up for whoever's in my way. The master's response is, uh, is important. If you think about it, just with, without the emotional hype, there's a couple options on a practical level. Right? He, could, he could cancel the banquet, break the spokes out of everyone's chariots, and let the food spoil. It wouldn't happen. Not, not all of them go together, but he could can cancel the banquet and, and just be reserved, whatever. But or he could or he could keep the banquet. He could say, We're not changing plans. I just need to invite new people. I just need to invite a new guest list because the food is ready, the tables are set, the servants are ready to serve. The 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 everything is ready right now. So quick, go and invite. Into the city, go into the city, into the alleys, into the, into the, into the places where, where people hang out and invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. His anger is turned, it's repurposed into grace. There's this anger, there's this energy that, that, he, that he's feeling and he says, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite the people who who would never expect to be invited. I'm going to invite the people who would see themselves as completely unworthy. I'm going to invite the people who would see themselves as as never to have graced a guest list of this sort before. That's who I'm going to invite. It's the grace that's important here. This is what he says to his servant, from the place of anger turned into grace. Go out quickly to the streets and alleys of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So just previously to this parable, he had said to the, to the man hosting the dinner, when you, in, when you host a dinner, don't just invite the people who can pay you back. Invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame because they can't pay you back. There's something benevolent about this. There's something godly about this. There's something appropriately different about this from the way the world works. Invite the people who can't pay you back because then God will repay you in the resurrection. So this is this this group, if you think about it, poor, crippled, blind, lame, these are the people who have no possibility of repayment. There's no possibility of them earning you some sort of higher social status. Now in our day, it may be like, oh, what a kind gentleman, and there's something noble about that. But in this day, these are the the unclean people, the people you can't come around if you want to be a holy person. You will be unclean if you come in contact with this group. They are to be avoided. And yet he invites them into his home. He invites them to dine on good meat and cheese and wine or whatever else they're eating with him in this banquet. This is this is different. These are the outcasts within Israel. This is within the town. Go to the city, go into the streets and the alleys within the town. And invite the, the, the common people, the people who, who don't have it all together. The people who are hurting and, and wounded and, and can't see and can't walk. That's what I want to have at my dinner. So the outcasts come. It doesn't really give much detail, but it says that they were, essentially they come and they're seated. Now they're seated at the banqueting table. And yet there's still room. The bank, that's, what, that's what the servant notices. He comes back into the, into the room and he goes, hmm, there's still seats left. Okay, and he goes and tells his master, master, there's still, there's still room. What do, you want, what do you want to do? And so the master goes and says to him, go out to the highways and the country roads and urge people to come in. So that, and here's, here's the motivation By it, so that my house will be filled. Now remember, this is a, a parable, this is a story that Jesus is telling, when pretty much prompted to speak about the kingdom. This is, this is Jesus talking about the kingdom of God, the master, the man in the scene being God, and saying, so that my house will be filled. This is what's driving me. I want a full house. These are the people outside of town. These are the people. So on the, on, in the parable or in the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, a Jewish man is walking to uh, Jericho and he's attacked by bandits on the road. This is, this is where this is. <clears throat> Outside of town, the highways, the country roads, the vagabonds and sojourners, those unwelcomed in the town. These are the immigrants. These are those who, who aren't allowed in the town, who aren't allowed in the city, who aren't allowed in for 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 a variety of reasons Jesus says, you know, I want you to go to those people and I want you to invite them invite them into my banquet. Worth pointing out here is this the sense of uncomfortable un- uncomfortability like this they would they would potentially feel socially out of place. Not only is this a a banquet for noblemen and like high status people, but I'm not even necessarily your same ethnicity. I'm not even like, there's some social barriers that need to be overcome here. And so it's it's important that that he says, urge them to come because they're not going to believe you. They're not going to think that this is legitimate. They're not going to actually believe that that I'm inviting them. So you need to urge them, compel them, persuade them. Don't take no for an answer. This is... This is an important aspect of this parable and it relates to us and our, the mission that God has given us in the world and, and the way that we operate as the servant in that it's, it's, it's a call to, to compel and persuade and, and use whatever means you have to convince people that they've been invited into a table fit for kings. They've been invited into a lavish banquet that the Lord himself has set up. It's 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 too good to be true. It's almost like, "What? I don't me? Who who am I? Like why why am I being invited to this? I, I don't even know the man." To urge, to compel, to compel people with the love and the invitation of the master to a banquet. This is what the servant is doing here. And so with that idea of urge, there's kind of two things that are important. The pressure was needed to persuade them that the invitation was serious. And then also the, the master said, and this is the, 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 the motivating force, that my house will be filled. And so the servants in this place were just like, all right, my master wants my, my the house filled. And so I, want, I need to go and, and go to everyone that I can, invite them to this, to this banquet. And the last thing Jesus says is important to notice here. He says, For I tell you, not one of those individuals who are invited will taste my banquet. This is, uh, it's actually spoken, if you look in, in in the way that it's worded, it's evident that this is spoken to the Pharisees. This is actually a step back from the story. The story is now Resolved, and now he's speaking to the table that he's eating with. The you there is plural. If the master was talking to the servant, it would be singular. It would be you as an individual. He's saying, You all. For I tell you all, as, as the point of the story, not one of those inv- individuals who were invited will taste my banquet. This is sobering, right, for, for the Pharisaic crowd. Their, their responses would vary, but they would be offended. Like, no, I just said blessed is those who eat in the kingdom of God, but you're saying that I'm not even going to be there. Like, what are you saying, Jesus? What are you? What are you saying that I'm? That I'm not on the guest list? That I'm not going to going to eat at the at the messianic banquet? And and there's no, I could just you just wonder like what what was the what was the aftermath of this scene? But we know that the hostility is building. For, towards Jesus. The Pharisees, there's this building hostility and it's times like these where you wonder, uh, I think they, they, they just they turned a corner to, to just really go out for his ruin when, when, when Jesus said things that cut, cut to the quick like this. Not one of those who were invited will taste my banquet. Notice a couple things. The, the, this is a, there's a judgment here. They will not taste. They will not taste. But it's self-imposed. There was an invitation that was put out there. And they said, no. They said, I have better things to do. I have better things to do right now than go to your banquet. And so in their rejection of the invitation was their judgment. Right? In, in their saying, no thanks, I have better things to do, that was the judgment of God over them. And the excuses here, he's not having it. Right? He, doesn't, he, he doesn't say, that's, fair. that's a fair excuse. Like, I bought a field before. I know it's hard. You got to do what you got to do. No, he says like no. Like that's that's pathetic. Like I cannot accept that excuse. So, good try, but not today. <clears throat> so, we want to we want to just think about where are we in this story? Where are we in this story? When when we think about excuses, I think it's helpful to think on the, on the backside of every excuse is just a lack of desire. It's just a lack of, I just, don't, I just don't want to. I don't want to come to the banquet. I don't want to be at this thing. And so, so an excuse is this a, a helpful way to, for me to say that without really saying that. It's, it's a way that I can distance myself from the obligation and from the, the feeling of, of blame while still saying that I would rather not, it's the ones making excuses, the ones who have better things to do. That in the in the, in the, the, the at the end of the story are the ones who essentially uninvite themselves from this lavish banquet that's set out for the nations. And it's the ones who see God's invitation as pure grace, as something that they did not earn, they did not deserve, they were caught off guard by, that come humbly. I, I get this in my, in my head as we were worshiping actually. I got this image of, you know, they're invited to, to the banquet and they're poor, they're lame, they're crippled, they're blind. And so it's like they come kind of like this and it, and in, in, in the invitation, there is the power for freedom. Right? In the invitation, it's like, it's like he, the man's limping and then he just starts, he starts kind of galloping and then he starts running because, because where he's going, there's, there's freedom. Where he's going, there's no more tears. Where he's going, there's wholeness. Where he's going, the kingdom is fully realized and so there's no more limping. There's no more crying. There's no more blindness because there's sight. At the banquet, there's there's freedom wow. in the invitation, wow. Wow. right? There's there's something about coming and receiving coming with a place of recognizing the pure grace, recognizing that I am the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. I am the one that's needy here. I am the one who needs help. Amen. That when we are offered an, uh, uh, an invitation. For salvation and invitation for grace, it's it's not even a question. It's not a question of priorities or I have better things to do. It's like, yes, it's, this is all I can do. Right? Who am I? Who am I that you are mindful of me? Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would look at me with love? Right? It's this. It's this. Wow. Who am I? And yet I will come. And yet I will respond to the invitation. From, from seeing it through the lens of grace and and, and and allowing ourselves to be moved by grace that's that's the way we enter in and so I just want to invite us to think about the excuses that we can make so offhandedly, like just so naturally and it, and, and I, want, I want you to allow the Spirit to, to remind you of the implications of this. Because when I say an invitation to the kingdom, we well, can think, what does that mean? What does it look like to respond to this invitation? Like, what am I supposed to do? But it's a, it's a heart-level thing where you, where you just don't have the capacity to say, I have something better to do. Because wherever God is, that's where I want to be. Like, whatever God's doing, that's where I'm going. Wherever there's, there's this banquet, I'm heading in that direction. Like, I'm, 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 I will feast on the table that God has put before me. And so, God, I feel like by His Spirit, he'll, He will show us what it looks like and how we make excuses, how, however, easily, because we have these di- desires or these priorities. But God just wants to reorient all that to say, listen, look at the grace that's being offered. Look at the invitation and recognize are you one who, who would want to say, look, I have better things to do? I see myself. When I see that as a, as a lesser thing. It's not going to advance me at all. Or do you see yourself from, from the perspective of, of completely needy, completely uh, dependent on this invitation of grace to, to compel you to come? So if you would like, Levi, just uh, play some music. And I just want us to uh, repent for, for making excuses for whatever wherever that looks like. And I'm angry because, because of this this is my reason. This is why I can hold on to that. This is why I don't have to do this. This is why I have better things to do. Whatever excuses that are just on the tip of our tongue for, for whatever reason, I just want us to just let that go and recognize that in repentance, there is freedom. Like in confession, there is wholeness. We want to just run. We want to be running to the banquet and chasing after God and, and just realizing that as we're running, our, shackle, our shackles are falling off. Like as, as we're running, our eyes are being opened. As we're running, our handicaps are, are just not becoming as much of an issue because it's God we're running towards